What's going on, guys? This is Gene Jensen, and it is time for another Friday Night Live. <laughs> All right, let's get things rocking and rolling. I'm getting everything set up down here and up here, and we are ready to go. Whoo, what a week it's been. I spent... Uh, Gosh, I spent 11, 12 days, I don't know how many days, down in Florida uh, fishing a kayak tournament. And so uh, I went down there just to fish the tournament. A lot of crazy things happened. Chad, ended, Chad Hoover ended up going home, so I ended up uh, not fishing the Big Bass tournament, which was after the one, the Temptational that I won fifth in. Oh, they back up. I got that nice little, whatever they call it, little banner. Um but uh, Chad went home early and I had to uh, jump in and help to uh, to co-host his TV show. So I didn't get to fish the second tournament, which I was OK with. Uh, always help a brother out. But um, but awesome. Let me get over here to the comments, make sure I'm catching everything. What's going on, Walton? How's it going, man? Um, but Florida was amazing. Oh, I did some things that I've never done before to catch fish. I learned some things that should have clicked many, many years ago, um, but never did. Um, and it, I don't know if it has a lot to do with Florida, but, or bass in general. So we're going to talk a little bit about that before we get into the, the Q and a stuff, but, oh, goodness, 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 goodness. Um, let's see. What's up, Eric? Sean, Backwoods Bassin, Marcus. Marcus, what's going on, man, from the Nubian Bookstore down in South Atlanta? Yeah, man, um, I don't guide anymore, but hit me up on Instagram is probably the best way. Facebook's so hard to, to follow these days with their new app that they use to study, you know, they that I use to, to check all my messages over there. So, but anyway, uh, Park, Parker, how you doing? Jerry, Brian, Eddie. Trail Dog, Harvey, our uh, kayak stabilizer against the rules in tournaments. I don't, I've never heard of them being against the rules. Um, and I mean, you always read the rules for every, every series that you fish. Uh, rules for KBF are different than rules for uh, a lot of other, you know, some of the other, other tours. My Instagram's Fluke Master Marcus. Yeah, dude. Every time I'm down that way, I want to swing by. I'm always, but it's always early, too early in the morning. I know you're not at the shop. So um, let's see. But let me talk a little bit about Florida. First of all, I went down there and I fished the KBF 10 Invitational, which is an invitational tournament they have. And the winner uh, gets to fish in the 10 tournament the next two days. So it's a two day tournament I have to win to qualify for the 10. To, 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 and it's an awesome, the 10 is an awesome tournament. It's the top 10 anglers in the country, plus the guy who wins the Invitational. Um, and so it was it was amazing. After day, well, I went down there, pre-fished uh, for two days, I decided I'd fish a lake called Lake Jackson. Um, I knew it wasn't a big fish lake, or at least I hadn't caught any big fish there, but I knew that, that I could at least get a really good quality limit. So after day one, I was, in, I was tied for a second. Actually, I was in third place because uh, the guy was in second place, caught one fish bigger than mine than my biggest. Uh, so I was in third place. And then the second day I caught a limit. Literally I caught all five of my, my fish in seven casts. And after that, it was a grind. And I went out and looking for big fish. Cause I knew that if, um, Alan who ended up winning the tournament, but him and I were fishing side by side both days. And I found out that if he, um, if he caught a limit, he was going to win the tournament. So I had to catch big fish. So I went out and spent the rest of the day looking for big fish and never found them. Got one bite from what I think was a big fish, but it was a short strike. So I ended up in fifth. Um, and, and I think if I stayed uh, stayed shallow and and fished for those buck bass and upped my my uh, my uh, score or up my limit a little bit, probably would have ended up in third or fourth. But uh, I was going for I mean I was going going for broke and. and uh, and so anyway, so that was pretty cool. I ended up in fifth. And then uh, literally before I even left to go to the weigh in on the fit on the second day, I got a call 
Chad had to go home for a family emergency and I had to shift gears. I ripped down my tent, threw it in the back seat of my truck. Uh, I was sleeping, I was camping right there on the bank of the of the lake I was fishing. So I threw it, threw everything in the truck and ran to the weigh-in and and then you know then I, the next three days was a whirlwind. So yeah, I ended up in fifth, which was pretty cool. Um but uh the things I want to talk about today to start with before we um before we get going with Q&A is the next few days uh we filmed until Monday. So Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday or Tuesday and Wednesday I filmed uh down at um at uh oh my goodness, why do I always forget the name of this lake? Uh crud. Anyway, filmed down went to another lake um and uh, it'll it'll hit me when I get done with this. But anyway, and it was amazing, absolutely amazing. So we got there, and the first day, uh, first morning, it was a little tough. And what we had seen in the in the weather patterns, and you guys, I want you to remember this because when you're looking to see when the fish are spawning, uh, look at the weather patterns for the last two or three days. Know what the water temperature is currently. So the water temperature was 62, 63 in the morning on the first day, but we had had 60 degree nights to, for two nights prior that brought that water temperature up and didn't let it drop back down into the 50s. And so when that happens and you got that water temperature at 63, 64 degrees and it's gonna warm up warmer during the day and you got a good sunny day, they are going to move up to get ready to spawn. I don't care what lake you are in what part of the country, the bass are going to move up to spawn if that happens. May not move up in a giant wave. We only had a, we had a half moon. We didn't have a full moon. We didn't have a new moon. But they're going to move up to spawn. So the first day, I couldn't do any wrong. I caught the biggest single limit of my entire life on the first day on a chatterbait and a Texas rig creature bait. I think I was throwing a rage bug. Um, and I was throwing the 13 fishing's new flipping bait, um, uh, the invader. And so between those two and the chatterbait, it, they were wrecking it. I couldn't do anything wrong. I, I, I found an area that was full of these, it was an old lily pad field that had very few lily pads that were near the surface. Everything else was under the water and they were spawning on the roots of those lily pads or getting ready to. And I caught my best five fish went 44 and a half pounds. Uh, two nines, the rest of them like eights, high high and mid eights, and then a whole bunch of sevens and sixes. I mean, just giant fish on chatterbaits and Texas rigs while I was shooting a video. And so the video is hopefully going to be out this next week. I'm still compiling all the, all the footage from it. But then the following day, it got tough. And I immediately, I, like the first fish I caught, was when I had let the the worm lay in a hole in the in the hydrilla and in the lily pads and just sit there for like five or six seconds. I got bit. I set the hook. It was a little buck bass. That told me they were on the bed. That means that during the night they started to spawn. They were locked on the bed, and it was going to be tough to catch them. So I changed up my tactics. Still used the chatterbait. Still used the Texas rig, but it was windy that day, so I used the chatterbait more. But it was more of a I needed to get a reaction strike. I wasn't. They weren't feeding. They weren't, you know, they, I needed to get a reaction strike. So I started instead of just throwing the crank, the, the chatterbait out and reeling it in, I started popping it a lot. And I'd just go pop, pop, and I'd reel and reel, pop, pop, and reel, reel. And then if I got hit something, I'd rip it and let it die down, just, you know, fall a little bit. And then, man, I, boats would come through and fish the area, see me catching them, come close and try to catch some, wouldn't catch anything. Their trolling motors would spook them. The fish finders, their fish finders being on would spook the fish. The fish wouldn't bite. They move off and I'd start whacking them again. And so I didn't catch all the giant fish that day, but I caught some really good ones. So I learned a ton. Keenansville, thanks, Scott, was the lake. Um, but I learned a ton from uh, from just observing that and, realizing, and noticing the bite between the two days. So remember that about the air temperatures and the water temperatures. Pay attention to your nighttime air temperatures. And if they are higher than the water temperatures, the water is going to warm up and it's going to stay warm. It just makes sense. But if they, but if it's 50, you know, 62, 63 degrees uh, one day and the water air temperature is warm that night 
it's going to get warmer the next day and they're going to move up the spot. So, so, uh, who said, uh, Michael, this is a good question. He says, you, uh, you used to say you didn't like fishing tournaments. What changed or do you still not like it? I don't like fishing boat tournaments. Uh, it's a whole different ball game between kayak boat tournaments and boat tournaments. Um, uh, kayak tournaments are a, it's a brotherhood, man. It's such a family. Everybody's nice. Everybody gets along. No, no animosity during the tournament. I know there's a little bit of, there's always drama somewhere else, but I don't pay attention to that. But during the tournament, everybody is just the coolest people. And I don't remember that from boat tournaments. Everybody would look at me and when I showed up, what are you doing here? You know, especially when I was fishing out of a 14 foot John boat with an eight horse tiller against these 16, $70,000 boats, I'd show up and everybody would be like, what is he doing here? And then I'd walk away with a check and they're like, don't ever come back, you know? And so it's one of those things where I just, I'd lost the love of tournament fishing because all there was was bass fishing tournaments or boat tournaments, but kayak tournaments are totally different, man. And it is so much fun just to be there. And, and the tournament part of it's just a bonus. So yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's not something I'm going to do full time, but I am going to do a lot more of it this year. Uh, I've got one on Logan Martin, which is the first BASS uh, kayak tournament coming up um, in a few weeks. And then I'm going to go to Lake Fork and fish that one. And so far, there's a lot of ones that I've paid uh, entry fee for. So, but uh, anyway, <clears throat> so that was my week. I drove home last yesterday, uh, eight and a half, nine hours and got home and kind of relaxed and uh, halfway unpacked. And now I'm sitting down here talking to you guys. So any questions? Luke keeps saying Gene's my dad. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find one to start, start with. You're going to have to win the KBF National Championship to get some fan, uh, fantasy point to get me some fantasy points. I My goal is to win it. Um, I hope I get in the top 10. That would be absolutely awesome. But I am working really hard um, to win that thing. So, I mean, the, I've only entered three kayak tournaments, uh, three serious ones. Not Well, I'll, I'll include the challenge. I mean, I did DQ myself, and I would have ended up in second. I, I broke a rule and didn't realize it until I'd already broken it. So then I DQ'd myself. But anyway, so um, let's see. So I ended up fish, finishing first in the individual part of a tournament we fished as a, as a pro team or pro staffs against pro staffs for paddle paddle shops. And then I finished third in Gunnersville in the KBF um, uh, trail tournament and had 162 anglers in it. So I finished third in that one. And so I've done pretty good so far in fifth last week. So um, Stony Lonesome says, I've been dialed in on a nice population of spots in a little creek uh, for the last three months, but all of a sudden nothing can't, can't buy a bite there. What do you think uh, could have happened? <clears throat> what I think happened, and I'm not sure where you live, but it, as the water starts to warm up, warm up, they're going to actually move out into deeper water. There's a creek. If that creek runs into a lake or something like that, or there's deep holes in that creek, they're looking for somewhere to, to go to spawn. And so they're going to travel as far as they need to do to do it. So they may not just may not be in that area anymore. Uh, Zachary making a trip to Gunnersville in the morning to fish from the kayak. The water is up and really dirty from what I hear. Any tips on what to throw in these conditions? Cold, muddy water is one of the hardest conditions you can get. Um, but the, the bass that are going to bite are going to be super shallow. They're, the water should still be rising. If it's still rising, then they're going to be as close to the bank as they can get on, on shallow cover. If the water's falling, they're going to be out on the next piece of shallow cover out from the bank. They're going to be moving out as the water's dropping because they don't want to be stuck in, in, you know, and get stuck in the in the shallows in a little puddle and can't get out. So they're going to keep moving out as that water's dropping. So uh, pitch to the, to the shallow cover that you can see as many times as you can stand and, uh, and be lucky and be glad that you caught one or two. It's going to be tough. If the water is warming up, if it's a warm rain, then they'll, they will, uh, they'll bite a little bit better, but, uh, and from what I understand, it snowed and sleeted today, so it was uh, kind of cold. 
Um, where can I educate myself on the types of grass I'm fishing in? I don't know hydrilla from bluegrass. Uh, the grass I've been fishing is unlike any I've seen. I'm in Missouri. Go to the University of Missouri's, um, oh, goodness. I can't remember what to search for. Search for aquatic vegetation and University of Missouri, because it's usually their fisheries biology or their marine biology classes that uh, that publish very good uh, things about or very good information about the the local vegetation that you fish so I always go to University of Georgia's and and find out a ton about that so um, blind grilling welcome to the channel man welcome 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 if anybody has not subscribed be sure to hit that subscribe button hit the thumbs up too it helps uh, helps get the word out while I'm doing this video, and you'll see more people pop in. So, little hook. Hey, Gene, when your oops, I just just it just disappeared. Oh, there we go. Uh, when you're in your kayak, what is your favorite boat ramp to launch from when fishing Strom Thurmond Lake? Um, do really my it it go it varies depending on the time of the year, but I like Keg Creek, which is the south end, but I have had a ton of luck in the early spring um, at Soap Creek. And then uh, I don't know, remember the name of the state park on the Georgia side, just north of Soap Creek. But that state park is a really good one to launch from and fish those little pockets that are up on the Georgia side. Uh, that's about all I do during the during the early spring. I'm all over that. I used to be all over that lake, though. I, I was I've been I've put in probably at every boat ramp on Clark's Hill. And it's a 71,000 acre lake, but I love Crooked Bridge. Uh, Soap Creek is always a fun one. So, uh, thanks, Kate. Appreciate it. Uh, what a fantastic answer to that question. Thanks, Eric. Um, what do you think about the Yak Gadget pod mounts for the towing motors on a Bonafide? I have never seen them. Never seen them. Uh, Let's see, I fished one tournament and it was called, it was one called ba Cold Battle on Bago. What? Oh, Battle on Bago. Okay, that's what it was called. Uh, it's an ice fishing tournament, didn't win. Yeah, I, ice fishing is not for me. <laughs> I've done it. I, I really enjoyed it when I was able to get on a snowmobile and go hunt them, but sitting in a box staring at a toilet hole all day was not my idea of a fun time. Um, uh, prime time program. You guys stop blowing smoke up my butt. Um, let's see. Can we gamble on fishing? I don't know. I, I don't gamble. Eric the Angler. So what's the best way to, uh, to work a chatterbait and Texas rig again, having a little trouble in Texas, but here. Okay. Uh, the way I explain it with a chatterbait is you have to be hitting something. You have to bump something. Chatterbaits run really good through grass. They don't do good through sticks and and logs and limbs and things like that. They roll over and get hung up. Um, the the jackhammer does a little bit better job coming through because it's got a wide head. The um, the Project Z chatterbait comes through grass better because it's got a pointed head, but it does not come through logs. They get hung every time. Anyway. What I say is you've got to be touching something. So typically what I do is I, I fish it super slow and I try to tick whatever's on the bottom. If it's grass, I'm up on the top of it. I'm ripping it through the grass. I'm popping it. You've got to have a good rod. It's got to be a kind of a stiff, medium, heavy, moderate rod. The chatter crank rods, the 13 fishing mix are on point when it comes to fishing a chatterbait in the grass. Um, and I think even if I wasn't sponsored by them, I'd be fishing that rod because that is the ideal chatterbait action, um, on those rods. And they have one for every, for just about every model. Anyway, um, so you gotta be hitting something, you gotta be popping something. You don't just cast it out and wind it back in and feel the vibration. If you're not popping, bumping the bottom or dragging barely on the bottom. One of the things I like to do when it's a bare bottom is I'll let it fall to the bottom. I'll slowly reel it. When I stop feeling the bottom, I just kind of stop for a second, let it get back down to the bottom and slowly reel it again. And I want it kicking up the silt that's on the bottom. I don't want it down in the silt, but I want it kicking up the silt. So that's the biggest thing for the chatterbait. Texas rig, this time of the year, slight hops and little drags. Don't move it very far and fast, especially in Florida. That's how I was catching them. Was very, I mean, literally moving it four, five, six inches at a time. 
and just letting it sit. So, um, uh, oh, really? Comet Academy Sports starts selling the 13 fishing baits. That's awesome. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I had to read this one before because I wasn't sure if it was a good comment or a bad comment. It says, you seem to know more than you make out to be. <laughs> Very smart, bro. That will uh, help me for Murray, Murray Cod, what you were saying about the bass getting ready for babies. Yep. Yep. Man, I need to get out. I want to go to Australia and fish. Man, oh, man. That would be like a bucket list for me. Goodness gracious. I struggle with baitcasters be, uh, being blind. Oh, you're blind. Okay. So what is the best few setups for spinning reels? Uh, just get three. Get a medium heavy uh, length, you know, seven foot. I wouldn't go very long, especially if you can't see the trees behind you uh, and things. I don't know if you bank fish or not, but, you know, you, you always end up bumping stuff behind you anyway. You just because we don't have eyes in the back of our head. Um a medium spinning rod and a medium light and the medium heavy you're going to use for your heavier baits, um, your spinner baits, your larger crank baits, your medium you're going to use for um, top water, little top water baits like the spooks, um, uh, light jigs, shaky heads, Senkos, that kind of stuff. And a medium light would be the last one I bought right now if you don't have one and get that one for like your super light line finesse techniques um light light shaky heads and that kind of stuff but i'd go with the medium heavy and the medium to start with so what kayak tournament are you most excited for this year the kayak bass fishing national championship the winner i think is bringing home about 70 grand or should i say i'm bringing home about 70 grand um <laughs> but uh you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting i'm not I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready to start pre-fishing for it, but I know if I start too early, too much of it will get in my head, and I want to be able to go there with a week and a half to two weeks before the tournament and just concentrate on it and get everything narrowed in. So right now I'm concentrating on Logan Martin, which is in a couple of weeks, and then I'm gonna um, and Logan Martin the the weigh-in actually is gonna be on the Friday uh, night at the Bassmasters Classic. So I'll be going across the Bassmasters Classic stage if I do good in that tournament. So It'd be pretty cool. All right. I'm going really slow with these comments, but I'm trying to get everybody's. Uh, I was watching um, uh, Jim LaDuca, uh, Tackle Junkie 81 the other night, and he meticulously goes through every comment. And I don't know if I can do that, but I try. So I'm from Nebraska. What are your thoughts on the Ned rig? Where is it on your list on throwing it when times are tough? Preston? I don't get on the boat or a kayak or a pontoon boat or a belly boat or a piece of styrofoam without a rod that's rigged with a Ned rig or without Ned rigs in my tackle box. Uh, it, it just, I don't, it, that, that rig has saved the day more than once for me. And I love to fish it when fish, when fish are biting really good. Um, it's awesome. Absolutely. Matter of fact, I just got some new baits in from, uh, from John Cruz Missile Baits, the Missile Bait Company, that are the new, uh, they got a Ned Rig bait out that is uh, center shot, which means it has two colors, has a, it has a different color core than it does the outside, and they're really cool looking. But I got them in today, so I don't know anything about them, but they're pretty good. Blockhead Tackle, thanks for the two bucks. Come to California, make some videos. I'd love to. You're going to have to pay me a whole lot more money to do it then. No, I'm just kidding. It's expensive. Oh, that's a long trip, but I do want to do it. Um, JR Fishing, what do you think about the Yak Gadget? Oh, yeah, you already asked that question. Sorry, I must be really behind. Um, let's see, let me get caught back up. Uh, what are the best, best bait for this season? I get confused on that. Uh, Jose, are you talking about the late winter or the early spring? You're talking about late winter as they're starting to pre spawn. Um, I'm going to say a jerk bait and a jig uh, are the two, my two favorites. Oh, excuse me. 
Jerk bait and a jig when it's super cold, talking about water temperatures in the 40s uh, and low 50s. Once the water temperature gets about 53 degrees, I start looking at different things like red uh, lipless crankbaits, uh, flat-sided square bills. Um, dude, uh, red lipless crankbaits and flat-sided square bills. I, that's about all I get. All I throw, and then I'll throw a you know a jig or a Texas rig in there too. But that's definitely what I'm going to be throwing once the water temperature gets back up into the or into the 50s. So, man, you guys are killing me with these comments. I'm watching them down on the YouTube just pop up, and I'm trying to follow them up here on my uh, on my live on my live stream. Let's see, uh, is Iceland Copolly poly more like floral or mono? It's kind of halfway between. What it is is it's uh, basically fluorocarbon coated monofilament. Uh, if I remember correctly, and it's got less stretch than mono, a little bit more than fluoro. Uh, it sinks very, very slow, so you can still fish top water with it. It's got very good abrasion resistance. Um, it's a really good line. And until I was sponsored by Seaguar, Iser line was my line of choice. And I'll still tell you to this day, it's the best copolymer out of the market. So, um, let's see. It's muddy as crap right now. Water ways up here just rose about five feet Ooh. yeah the creek uh they actually closed one of the roads to my house yesterday because the creek got up to the bridge i got this really cool one lane uh steel bridge that goes to my you know as you're going to my house you have to drive over it but uh wasn't driving over yesterday that's for sure um i've ever had chad in the Alumacraft. nope i haven't he keeps talking about it but we never get together to do it any opinions on Cajun coastal rods? I got one for $169. I have never heard of them. Never, never, never. Uh, reminds me of old school ugly stick and super sensitive. Yeah, I never fished uh, ugly sticks. Tackle Junkie, I hope you just heard me give you a shout out. Um, he does his lives on Sunday nights. And so I was finally able to catch it while I, catch it while I was out of town and driving. <laughs> um see everybody's saying hi to jimmy flute master i got a 16 foot fiberglass boat and i don't know if, what horsepower motor to put on the back of it whoo um on the boat should be a little coast guard uh sign that says maximum horsepower as long as you don't go over that horsepower you're fine I don't know what it is for a 16 foot. Might be 90 horse, might be 75 horse. I'm not sure. You'll have to check. But you want to you want to get the highest horsepower that you can rating you can get on the boat. Um, but I'm not sure with a five, 16 foot fiberglass. Then I'd also ask a, a a boat mechanic. He'd also be able to tell you. Um, when and why would you choose a chatterbait over the spinnerbait? I almost always choose a bad chatterbait over spinnerbait when there's grass, um, just because it comes through the grass so much better. Um, I've got to the point now where I rarely ever touch a spinnerbait, really. I'd much rather use a chatterbait. But in wood, in when I got a lot of, of wood cover, a lot of brush piles, a lot of laydowns and things like that, I'm going to go with a chatterbait or going to go with a spinnerbait because it just comes through the wood a whole lot better. So. Ever heard of 13 fishing fake chrome origin chrome casting combos? Yes, I have. Uh, I was in Academy and the employee marked them down from uh, 140 to 35. I got a few just because of the price. They are they're good. Um, the fake chrome and the origin chrome, uh, the fake chrome rods and the origin chrome rods are really good. Uh, the reels are basically origin reels. They're just different colors. And so they just made the colors to match the combo. Um, but my sons use them and they they beat the spot out of them and they're really good and you got them for an amazing price so dude thumbs up you're, you're gonna like them um i couldn't use them because i fish them too you know i fish 225 days a year <coughs> and they're not made to to be beat up like i beat my rods and reels up so but my kids have had theirs for over a year and they work just great so um with the weather, uh, Jimmy says, or Tackle Junkie 81 says, with the weather, I had to work tonight. Hope all is well. But, yeah, it's great, man. I bet you had a rough time working in, in the weather tonight. Jeez. Jimmy owns a, or runs a, a, a truck washing company. He actually washes big rigs like uh, um, 
like FedEx trucks, big FedEx trucks. So, yeah, I bet you he was freezing his tail off. Uh, I won the Spro Facebook giveaway today. What should I expect from the lures I won? The Rukashad 65, 75, and the Wameku Shad. I have not tried the Wameku Shad, but the Ruku Shad are some of my favorite lipless because when they fall, they don't spiral. So if I'm jerking a lipless crankbait and yo-yoing it, I'm, I'm, they're really good at that because they don't get caught up in the hooks. They also, when they land, they land nose down. So they give still, once they land, they give the bass a good target. So a lot of them will land and lay flat on their side and the bass won't even touch them. So, um, what's the smallest pound smackdown you, uh, would you place on a bait caster? to not have any issues, 50. 50 pound is the smallest I would use. I tried 40 for a year and I constantly backlash because it was so thin. That SmackDown is so thin that you have to go up to 50 and 60 pound to to, uh, to not have any issues with backlashes. Uh, so it, it's a great line, I absolutely love it. What pound mono would you use? I don't really pay much attention. I just use old cheap stuff, whatever I've got laying around uh for backing so uh and it, but if it's a shallow spool you want to use a uh you want to use electrical tape so there's another trick that chad taught me chad Hoover taught me that uh i haven't it's kind of hard to explain i run the line through the line guide or through the worm worm guide and then i take the side cap off pull the the um pull the spool out run the line out the side tie a uh, arbor knot with four or five uh, half hitches. And I'll have to do a video because it's really hard to explain. Put it back in and then I don't use tape anymore. So silent deep crank re recommendation. Spro makes a really good deep diving crankbait that has a rubber rattle in it. So it's pretty much silent. It has just enough sound. I love that thing uh, for a silent deep crank. And they just came out last year. I started using them. And actually, Spro sent me some because I'm, I'm friends with them. I'm not sponsored by them or anything else. <clears throat> but they sent me some prototypes to try out. And wow, they were great. I tried. There was perfect timing. They sent them to me in the summer when I was fishing chick. And uh, yeah, I really liked them. Was really impressed. Um, let's see. Hey, prime time. What's the most people you've seen on here watching your Friday night live? The most I've ever had uh, at one time is pretty close to 160, but total uh, 2200, I think. I've had a total of 2200 different people watch while I was doing it. So, but yeah, dude, this is pretty exciting. I love doing it. Sorry about last, uh, the ones I tried to do during the weigh in for the 10 invitational. Whoever jumped, anybody that jumped on or tried to watch that, I apologize. The uh, the YouTube mobile live is always giving me fits, and it was really bad that night. So, Gore, um, did you see any of the action of the Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour on you follow today? I did not. I completely ignored it. I was busy uh, trying to get uh, videos and stuff that I shot from my trip on the on off the SD cards. So. Any thoughts on a good underwater camera trying to up my game in regards to studying bass looking at, I don't know anything about underwater cameras. Only one I have is my GoPros. Um, so I am definitely not the one to ask for that, man. Sorry about that. Um, doo -doo -doo. See you, Jimmy. You're probably already gone because I'm way behind answering questions. Man, I'm like eight, five, eight minutes, five minutes behind. Um, Finally upgraded from my Walmart, my $170 Walmart car, kayak, got a SS107 Black Widow. Oh, I'm jealous. Taking out next week. Be safe, man. Wear your PFD. But man, that Black Widow is the sickest boat they've ever come out with. I am so jealous. Dang. Um, let's see. Hey, Gene, ice fishing today for pike and nailed a six pound smallmouth on a flutter spoon. My. First bass through the ice. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Goodness, I am way behind. Anyway, I'm just going to keep reading. Uh, Stoney, thanks for answering questions. 
Let's see. It would be awesome uh, to hear Mark Zona call out your name during a bass tournament. Dude, I would hug Mark. I would hug him and probably not let go for about 10 minutes. Uh, man, him and I are good friends. He really, when I was first getting serious about doing this for a full-time job, he really helped me out a lot. He doesn't even know that. But him and I would email back and forth, and, and he just is – just his comments really set me at ease a few times. So yeah, he is, he's one of the tops on my list. So, uh, let's see. Top three baits for cold weather bass. Um, jerk bait jig, uh, flat sided square bill. Uh, bomber flat a is probably one of my favorite flat sides. It's not really a square bill and it's a pain in the butt to, to cast because it's it's wood it's a wooden bait doesn't have a whole lot of weight but it is a really good cold weather uh swim or crankbait i don't know if i was saying swim bait or not anyway uh james have you tried the treble hooks with the little blade hanging on them uh i have not i've not um would you use a shaky head on a heavy grass bottom probably not I want to use something, Sean, that sits on top of that grass if it's heavy, heavy grass. I don't think the bass wants to go down, want to go down in there. Now, when it, if it tops out and gets uh, matted on the top and everything underneath is dead, then yeah, you want to get down underneath it with something. But, but definitely, I want to, I want to fish something that's going to ride on top. A mojo rig is excellent for that kind of stuff. Uh, Joni, what's going on, man? Hey, muddy water, fifty-four degree, very high stain, forty-nine degree water. Which do you think the fish prefer? I went out, caught five in the snow today in the more stained water. About freeze my, my foot off. <laughs> Honestly, Joe, I go home when I see high, muddy, cold water. Uh, but, dude, I don't know. Uh, the best thing I would say is you want to look for a reaction strike. So you want to bump all the shallow color you can, shallow cover you can. Spinnerbait's probably pretty good for that, but I'd go with like a square bill and get up shallow. You can try it. I may be totally wrong. Uh, best tips for someone looking to learn how to catch bass on jigs and what kind of jig would you recommend to start with? I would recommend to start with a football jig or a, an Arky jig. I'm trying to think of what other one I would throw. Anyway, I got a really good video on how to, how to catch fish or catch fish on a jig in cold water, cold weather. Um, and it's an old video that I shot many, many years ago, but it is a It is really, really good. The one on football jigs is okay, but I would watch the one in cold weather because it talks about how slow you want to move it and how little you want to hop it and how you want to set the hook. It really gets into detail about what you want to do with that. So, um, <laughs> Gene burnt out on yakking, want to buy my 2016 Hobie Outback. I'm a gator, as you know. Uh, but it, it's in Bulldog Red. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, I really don't. I like my Bonafide SS127. I absolutely love it. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, I like my Torquedo. <laughs> Go-to baits when uh, fishing tannic water. Ooh. To be honest with you, my it has to more with soft plastics has more to do with colors. I like a lot of creature baits when I'm fishing tannic. But purple, purple with purple flake. Um, I don't know what it is about purple in tannic water, but they love it. Um, white, when I'm fishing a fluke or a spinnerbait, white works really, really good. Uh, green pumpkin sometimes works. So if I had to pick three colors, it'd be black, green pumpkin, and purple. And spinnerbaits is going to be white or white or white. And then crankbaits, white and chartreuse. But I don't throw a, lot, a whole lot of crankbaits in tannic water. So, all right, let me get caught back up. Um, let's see. If you and Alex ever come to Australia, make sure you guys come to Victoria and hit me up. Murray cod are everywhere, and it's not the Murray River. It's the river before the Murray River. Oh, that's awesome. You got a deal, man. And it may not be this year or next year, but you got a deal. Uh, do you know why Mega Bass lures their eyes look down? I have no clue. I don't think the bass pay attention to it either. Uh, what one 
would you use more often? Let's see. Dakota says, what one do you use more often? Texas rig, rig or chatterbait? Um, I'll tell you what I was doing this last week. When the wind died down, I was throwing a Texas rig. Getting it on the bottom, trying to drag it through the grass, letting it fall down in holes. Once the wind pack, picked back up, I picked up a chatterbait and started whacking them again. So it all depends on the weather, on the wind for me. Uh, I just find that you get over that five mile an hour threshold of wind and it's got good chop on the water. They will hit a spinner bait and a chatterbait and any moving bait a lot better than they would a jig. Plus, it's it, you can feel it better. You get too much wind on the water, you can't feel a Texas rig or a jig anymore. So let's see. I just picked up some Strike King Rage swimmers. I've used a lot of different swim baits, but they seem pretty good. They are pretty good. I got a whole wall of them in my barn. I use them all the time. They're really good swim baits. So let's see. Favorite square bill. Dude, I got so many different kinds that I love. Um, favorite standard square bill. It had to be somewhere between a Kevin Van KVD 1.5. Um, I'm still trying to get used to the new 13 square bills. I like them. They're very durable. They float really high. I just, I, I haven't gotten too used to them yet. I'm, I'm still stuck on my striking stuff. Um, and then the, the little John, but from Spro is another really good square bill. So, um, where did that comment go? I clicked on it. There it goes. Best fishing line brand. Um, <laughs> So I, I started using Seaguar in 2006. I remember that buying the very first thing of a Brazex. And I, uh, I bought it to fish a tournament with Ryan. It was a it was an electric-only boat tournament. We ended up winning that tournament. It was 8-pound test fluorocarbon. I caught a 9.98-pound bass out of the milfoil. I mean, it took off, ripped a bunch of milfoil out of the ground, and it was just fighting like crazy. Ryan was a great net man. I caught that fish, and I have been a fan of Seaguar ever since. Um, I currently am sponsored by them. I started; they started sponsoring me two years ago, but I've been a fan long before they started sponsoring me. So I'd have to say Seaguar for fluorocarbon and braid are are amazing. So, um, let's see, Kate. I have no clue. Um, I just got back from Florida after about 11 days, and so I haven't really paid much attention. Now, I know they're not close to the spawn. Typically, uh, in Georgia, South Georgia, they start spawning in early March, early to mid-March. Um, you might find a few lakes up in the middle Georgia that will start in March, depending on how protected they are. Um, but the major spawn is in April in most of Georgia. So... Um, I was visiting a good friend in a, a friend a couple of Fridays ago and told him, sorry, watch the entire show. Sorry, <laughs> Brian, hope you learned something. Uh, let's see. Have you ever thrown spiral wrapped rod? Um, that's like, that was an older fad from, uh, from uh, custom rod makers. And I've made one that was spiral wrapped. And what it does is it, your a spinner rod is a better fighting rod because the guys are on the bottom. And when you're fighting a big fish, it doesn't tend to want to torque and roll your rod. So I understand getting the line to the bottom of the rod um, is, is critical in, if you want to have a really good fighting, fighting rod. But for me, it reduced the amount of uh, distance on your cast. Um, whether it was the one that I made or one that a custom guy made or whatever, I've had several of them. And so I don't, I, it, it if you see a, a production rod, and I don't know who's making them production now, but it's more of a gimmick now than it is anything. So to me, um, what kayak do you fish for out of? I fish out of a bona fide SS-127. Um, 20 pound braid, just remember braid has to be worked in by being fished after. Uh, okay. Let's see. All this rain looks like coffee here on Lake Murray. I bet it does. Man, Lake Murray can get muddy, can't it? Uh, and it's so used to it being clear, though, but it does get muddy in heavy rains. Do 
do you use higher gear ratio reels to deep dive and crankbaits or vice versa? I like a six, three to one for deep divers. Um, I might throw it on a seven, but I, I, uh, it, it, it just wears me out if I'm going to throw it all day long. Just wears me out. So a lower gear ratio for deep divers, just because they have more resistance. Think about a 10 speed bicycle. You know, when you're going uphill, it's a lot harder and you need to have that lower gear ratio or you have to have that lower gear that you switch to on a 10 speed bicycle. Same thing with reels. You want a lower gear ratio to, to, to be able to deal with the, the, the high torque that, or the, the uh, high resistance that you're dealing with. So, uh, Another question, what would you say to someone who would love to fish full time? Work hard. I don't care what you're doing. It don't matter if it's fishing or, or basket weaving. It doesn't matter. If you work harder than everybody else, you will succeed. Uh, work your tail off. And, and, you know, that's that's pretty much what I've done over, over the years. I used to put 110 hours a week into this thing, and I need to get back up to where I'm putting at least 100 into it. Um, you know, and so that's just definitely, definitely just work super hard. Don't quit. Um, will we get to see the black kayak your wife got you for your birthday? Actually, my wife didn't get me that one for my birthday. It's actually Luther, the owner of, yeah, of Bonafide that made that for me. Scott put it all together and that kind of stuff. You probably, you might see it. It's in my barn. Um, it, you know, it's hard to, uh, because I promote, Bonafide, it's hard to promote a boat that they don't sell. Um, but I, I definitely would love to get out and, and play around with it. So my wife's the only one that's fished out of it so far. So um, favorite go-to winter muddy water bait. It's going to have to be something I can beat up against the cover. So like a swim, a spinner bait with a big blade that you can reel really slow or a, or a square bill crankbait or a black and blue jig you can throw multiple times at shallow cover. So it's just going to be hard to get a bite. <clears throat> Cold, muddy water is the worst conditions you can fish, bar none. So typically when I get to a lake and it's cold and muddy water, I turn around, I go home and find something else more productive to do. Um, let's see. It was really nice seeing how ha happy and amped you were at your tournament. Good to see you uh, look so happy. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Seriously, if anybody here wants to get involved, uh, with tournament fishing, with kayak tournament fishing, the best way I think is, that is to, to get on KBF, join kayak bass fishing, become a member, then start fishing their challenge tournaments, which are monthly. And a lot of you guys have already heard this, but they're monthly kayak tournaments. They start at the first of the month and they end at the end of the month. And it's your best five fish during that period of time. That way, during that period of time, you can learn during that tournament. It's only $35 so to enter. And so, you can learn how to measure in, in your fish and how to take pictures without losing your phone and <clears throat> make all the mistakes. Like when a fish flops off the board into the water, you learn how to combat that. And then you can, you know, you get involved with a community that'll help you get better and better at kayak fishing. But that is a great way to start. And that's what I'll talk about and all year long and then some. I really feel like that's a good way to start. Um. <laughs> he doesn't fish out of a kayak he fishes out of a plastic boat with a motor like rollerblades compared to skateboards <laughs> so true oh man yes i do have a bona fide but there are a lot of lakes that i fish like felsmere down in florida that don't even allow that on there so i'm not afraid of paddling i'll put 15 20 miles in on a day so but yeah i do have a bona fide or i do have a, a torpedo on the back of my bona fide so uh tiger box john top three youtube regrets um i don't know i don't know i do a lot of experimenting and i make mistakes i make a ton of mistakes um i don't know i don't have any so yeah i can't think of any uh what was the name of that lure retriever in your latest video it's called the tiptons T-I-P-T-O-N-S, I think. T Tipton's Golden Retriever. It's made by an old man in his garage. <clears throat> I think there's one or two websites that sell it. But uh, I know they always have a booth at the East Tennessee Sports Show. I went and talked to them the other day. So, 
definitely a really good lure retriever. Um, on a drop shot rig, why not use a jig below instead of lead? Um, I'll tell you why. A your hook set on the drop shot part of it is a lot different than your hook set on a jig. And so you have to be able to tell whether that fish is on the drop shot or the jig, because if you set the drop shot, like you would set a jig up high and hard, you're going to jerk the lure out of the fish's mouth and you're not going to land that fish. If you set the jig, like you set the drop shot when drop shot, you're supposed to just tighten up on it and lift. You're not going to set the hook on the fish. So that's my only concern with doing that. Makes a lot of sense. It thinks, you know, you think about it, you're like, oh yeah, fish with two lures, you know, catch fish. No, doesn't work that way. Two different types of hook sets. So, uh, Vincent, I really, I don't fish the Northeast much, uh, but a bass is a bass is a bass. You know, this time of the year when it's the water temperatures in the 40s, if you don't have any ice on it, then you know, a jerk bait and a jig work really good on hard cover around drops and stuff like that. Um, you, there's a lot of things you can learn from those of us who fish in the South that will translate to what you do up North. You know, a lot of the grass lakes and you just fish them like they like any other grass lake. Uh, when I do get up there and go fishing, I haven't, I haven't had a day that I've not been successful. I usually do that in the, or in the summertime when I'm passing through, but I don't get up to Northeast very often though. So I know a lot of your lakes are really high pressured. Um, how to know if it's pre-spawn yet? Very easy. When your air temperatures at night start to be warmer than your water temperatures, that means your water is starting to warm. So as your water is starting to warm, those fish are going to start to pre-spawn. They'll, wherever they're at, they're going to start moving the direction of spawn. If it gets cold, they're going to stop. They're not going to go backwards. They're just going to stop where they're at. They're going to hold there until the water starts to warm up again. And then they're going to move back to the spawning bays and the pockets and the backs of creeks and things like that to go spawn. So pay attention to your nighttime temperatures. So Andy Leonard, have you ever used a Jenko fishing trap line rip? Not, no, no. <laughs> It has a line through the center of it. I have not used it. So um, at what point are the water temps too cold for you to fish? I'm bank pond fishing here in Northern Virginia and it's so flipping frustrating right now. Yes, it is because they're out in those deep holes and you bank fishing, you usually can't get to them. So that's usually when I get frustrated when I'm bank fishing. I, I bank fished for 20, well, no, not 20 years, for 12 years. Uh, prior to me getting my first boat. And so uh, that was as an adult, 12 years as an adult. And so in the summer, in the wintertime, it was just rough. I had to go find the steepest bank and hopefully not too steep for me, you know, to where it was dangerous. But, and then that meant I was closest to the deeper water in that area. And I would try to fish something super slow, like a shaky head back then or something like that. And, uh, oh, excuse me. But it was just tough. It really is. And so um, right now, now that I have a kayak and I have a boat, then the water, temp water temperature, it when it starts to freeze over is when I stop fishing because I can't get my boat in there. But, um, but yeah, dude, it, I understand your frustration 100%. But go find the deepest water in the lake and try to fish it. And then wait for your, your nights to get warmer. So goodness gracious. 42. I am 10 minutes behind in, in answering questions. Uh, fishing my first big bass tournament at the Bassmaster Nation series on Logan Martin in March. Any advice? Is it the kayak one? It had to be the kayak one. It's in March. Uh, Nation series. I think it is. Derek, I'm going to win that one. I'm sorry. Just go ahead and just stay home. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, I don't know. I haven't done a whole lot of research yet. I got to get to the lake and look at it. I haven't been, haven't been on Logan Martin in about 15 years. So, and I, that was with somebody else and I was only there for a day. So yeah, it's, it's going to be totally different for me. I've heard a few things, but I don't know for sure. I think it's going to be offshore, an offshore deal, but it could also be a shallow deal depending on the weather, especially that time of the year. So 
Um, since you're a Seaguar man, is there a for the money difference between the Invisex, Abrazex, and Tatsu? Yes. Um, the Invisex is really strong, has a little bit more memory, is not as, as soft as the as the Tatsu. Um, the Tatsu is what I'd use if there was money on the line. The Abrazex is what I use almost all the time because it is just solid. And the Invisex is what I use for leader material a lot uh, because I when I run out of Abrazex. So Invisex it is awesome, absolutely awesome for the money. But if you want to get the best of the best, it's going to be Tatsu. But it ain't cheap. I mean, it's expensive to make fluorocarbon. I mean, the the polymers that they use are expensive. So there's not a whole lot of profit margin there. Can you recommend a rod with great sensitivity for fishing jigs? Yes. My favorite jig rod is a... Um, what is it? A fate black. It's only $80 rod, seven foot three medium heavy fate black for like your football jigs and stuff like that. But if you're flipping jigs and your heavy hook jigs, I go to a seven, seven, four heavy is the one I like. So awesome. Really sensitive, good blank. And it's only 80 bucks. So, um, Let's see. Blockhead, I don't remember ring uh, split ring sizes at all. I'm horrible with numbers. I'm not one to ask. <clears throat> I usually just take one, take the bait in and try to match it up is what I do. So let's see. Drew, that's going to depend on your lake. I, that's Those are two questions I really can't answer without looking at maps and map study and stuff like that. But I've got a, about a dozen videos on pre-spawn fishing and spawn fishing. I would go and just religiously watch them. And that's not a plug for myself. I just know that that's going to really, really help. So be sure to do that. Uh, will you be doing any seminars this year? I'm talking with a few people. Uh, I'm going to do some high school stuff. I do know, know that for sure. Um, but uh, other than that, nothing yet. So I don't know why my voice only lasts an hour and then it's gone. Um, Dana, I love the informational videos you put out. Great job. You were the first channel that I decided was worth subscribing to. Wow. That's awesome. Appreciate it. That is so awesome. David, um, Bass in the south or uh, are a lot different than bass in the north. They usually don't school in the north, and northern bass have predators, while southern bass are the bosses. Uh, yeah, but bass still they the same spots. Uh, they they relate to the same type of type of cover. They react to the same thing. You know, weather changes the same way. Um, I understand that they're not the, the they're not the the apex predators, but this I still find them the same way I find them in the south. So that's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, what would you fish with an eight one one gear ratio reel regarding baits? Any bait that I want to get back to me fast and make a cast again. So all of my jigs, all of my Texas rigs. Um, I don't fish a lipless crankbait. I, I fish a lipless crankbait at seven on a seven three to one, but like anything that I want to get back fat, fast to me, like a Carolina rig, and it's going to be mostly the bottom bouncing or the bottom bit baits. So definitely what I use for an eight one to one. Um, Black bass angler, what's up, girl? How are you? Good to see you on here. Uh, Steve story, new to bait casters and have been using 12 pound, mount, 12 pound mono, but missed the sensitivity of braid. Would you recommend going to fluorocarbon? If so, what brand and pound, or should I just load it up with braid? What pound? Um, if you're going to use braid, use 50 or 60 just because it's a lot less problematic, but I would recommend at least trying some fluorocarbon, but don't buy the cheap stuff or you'll hate it forever. Um, Look to spend about twenty to twenty-five dollars on a spool of fluorocarbon. I'm not going to. I'll I'll recommend what I use, which is a bra, which is Seaguar Brazex, which is an excellent fluorocarbon, very manageable. 
uh, but it ain't cheap. And so if you're looking for something just to try to see if you like it, 20 to $25 of a spool is about what you're looking for. So anything cheaper than that, it's going to, you're going to hate it forever. Uh, can I be in a kayak tournament even if I'm 13? So, uh, the kid that was on my Friday night live last Dylan won his first kayak bass fishing tournament at age 15. There are rules in place. You have to have a parent with you. You have to have a parent or a guardian with you fishing next to you at all times. Uh, or, you know, there, there are rules. So that's something you just have to uh, watch. But yeah, I think 13, you should be able to, I don't think there's a problem with that. You just have to follow the rules for, for, uh, for minors uh, in the KBF. So, Oh, Nathan Edwards says KBF challenges are just for 21 days now. I did not know that. Huh. I'll have to go look at that. Um, have you ever done an instructional video on fishing a blade bait? Yes, I have. Uh, do you like throwing one? I do. I, it's not my go-to. Uh, and really this time of the year, I'm always going down to Florida. And so I end up not, um, not fishing uh deep lakes that you would use them so i need to get out there to rocky mountain right down the road from my house but it's super muddy right now i'm not going to but i need to go out there and try some blade baits this year because they would work really good on that lake um i have a kayak tournament deep clear mountain lake in north georgia tomorrow huh water temps high 40s air temperatures in the 30s any tips throw a jerk bait really really slow uh go watch the jerk bait video i launched today um and then go find you some steep, some points that have a steep side where the creek channel runs up against that point. Um, and then fish the outside, outside bends and creek channels and bluff walls. <clears throat> so thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. Top three jerk baits. Um, I'm going to take one out because my top one that I use all the time is discontinued. It was a, it's a, um, uh, lucky craft that they don't make anymore. So we're going to take that one out. So my top three, other than that, it's going to be a Strike King KVD jerk bait, going to be a um, a Mega Bass uh, Vision 110, and a um, Smithwick Rogue. Uh, the original are the three that I use the most. So. What's the best uh, method to keep kayak position in deep water? An anchor with a long rope is what I use. Um, I have an anchor wizard, which is the little thing I crank my anchor up with. I use an eight pound ball um, anchor and it's on as much um, 550 cord, military 550 cord as I can get on that anchor wizard. So um, I'm gonna actually, I, I, I've got an outline of a video I'm gonna do about anchoring um with a kayak because i really think that's a critical a critical skill that you need to know i use my anchor all the time i use it in shallow water i use it in deep water if i don't want my boat to spin and it's on the uh, power poles dropped in the back and the wind's blowing i'm going to drop my front anchor to keep me from spinning and position my boat perfect for a hook set so i really think an anchor is critical for a kayak uh and being able to to know how to use it so what weight do you use for drop shots generally for ponds? I almost always use a quarter ounce drop shot weight unless I'm fishing super deep and I want to bait get down really fast. I'll, I'll bump up to about a, a half ounce, but I think every drop shot weight I have is a quarter ounce. Um, how do you fish lakes with minimal cover and structure? <clears throat> All lakes have structure. Um, structure is a change in the bottom. So unless the lake has no bottom, it has, it, 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 it's got structure. And so, um, but something with minimal cover, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the structure. I'm going to go to the little drops. Even if it's a six inch drop, it's still a drop. It's something they'll hold on hard bottom. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, for instance, if you take five or six or seven, or I don't know how many bass, but anyway, you know, five or six bass, put them in a swimming pool that's all one color, a blue swimming pool, 
and, and observe them for a few hours and watch them and they'll swim around and they'll get scattered and they'll swim around and they won't school up. Then take a white dot about that big around and put it in that swimming pool. And within minutes, every single one of those bass will be associated right next to that white dot. And it's like that with any lake that has no cover. They're going to associate with something that's different. So if there's a log, if there's a rock, if there's nothing, take a, a limb from a tree and tie a rock to it, throw it in the water, and within a day, you'll catch fish off of it. So that's what I would do, really. Um, all right. All right, guys, I'm going to jump. I'm going to ask one more. I'm going to answer one more real quick question. I'm sorry I haven't been able to get to everybody's. My voice is going away from me. And uh, and I really need to get upstairs. Let's see. Um, do, 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 do. Any ideas for storing your rods in the back of your kayak horizontally? Hmm. I'll tell you how I, I set mine up. Okay, so I've got... Um, on my black pack, I've got three vertical rod holders. And then horizontally, or almost horizontally, I've got two Yak Attack rod holders. And they lock the rod in. And so they stick out the back. Um, you can put four along the side of your boat and do the same thing. Have them stick out one straight out and one up just a little bit. Um, I know what you're getting at. You don't want to get hit trees and stuff while you're paddling. And I understand that. So you're limited to the number you can do that with. But it can be done. So... That's, a, that's what I'd do is I'd put four on the side and try to, you know, those adjustable rod, uh, rod holders from Yagatak are awesome for that. Jeremiah Burris, I've got to read this one because he's a good buddy of mine. Congrats on the Timitational. Hope to see you up here in lacrosse again in the future so we can go smash some big Mississippi River beasts. Uh, even better, let's ice fish. No, you can keep your ice fishing, Jeremiah. That, that's fine. You can. Mm -mm. I was in Florida yesterday. I woke up to mosquitoes in my tent. And so I, I kind of like the warmth. But uh, but definitely, if I don't do good in the Logan Martin tournament or the Lake Fork tournament for BASS, I'm probably going to have to fish the lacrosse tournament because I can't fish Chickamauga because my son is graduating that day. So, uh, But anyway, thanks, guys. Thanks for everybody joining in. I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Um, thanks for... Uh, for putting up with me for an hour. I really do appreciate it. I got some really good videos I'm sending to my editor right now that I filmed this last week. The jerkbait video launched today, so go watch it. But like I always say, be sure to introduce somebody to fishing. Introduce them to my channel. Let me help you teach them how to fish. More importantly, get out on the water. Go ahead and catch some fish and have a great day. We'll see you.